Welcome to Sama, a thought experience. Albert Einstein once said that if he had one hour, a problem to solve, and his life depended on solving that problem within that hour, he would spend the first 55 minutes of that hour writing a good question. Today, I'm going to do something that I once said I wasn't going to do in this podcast, and that is read from a script. Now, to give you a little background before I get started, this episode is going to pretty much feature questions only related to education and the state in which education exists today in Australia. And these are my perspectives. These aren't any sort of reflection on what people have said to me. These are questions that I've devised that sort of came to me by the way of thought about how everything is working at the moment. So today I'm going to try and ask a series of questions and then the episode will end in a little bit of a rant or a reflection on those questions. Again, this podcast is about thought experiments and I'm really interested in trying to structure these episodes in different ways. All right, let's, let's give it a go. Are primary teachers seen as workers in a line of business in which their labour does not yet directly translate into or produce economically productive citizens? Do we essentially see students below a certain age as being financially worthless? Do governments invest less in primary education systems because society generally views the period of a child's life as developmental. Is there a notion that children will be ready down the road, therefore recognizing children as unable to produce economic growth or as financially incapable sapiens at a young age? How does this notion, or how could this notion affect how society financially and physically support an economically capable sapien. Does a capitalist society really value human beings at a young age? And I mean in terms of ability to produce profit margins or economic growth. Obviously, young human beings are of great emotional and humanistic value to the homo sapiens who read them from birth. Our ancient yet deeply functioning endocrine system will surely attest to the beauty of our humanistic bond with children of kin and of close acquaintance. But if the planet's main economic system is dependent on capital capital growth and profit margins, and children of younger years who have not yet developed the capability or mental power to integrate into society and contribute to the economy, 
what other value could a profit-driven society have for them? As hard as it sounds and as mechanistic as it may appear on the surface, until the age of, let's say for argument's sake, 15, children in society are essentially a burden on a system that measures its wealth and value in the economic terms of money. started having these thoughts and then subsequently turned them into questions the other day when I was thinking about the age-old proverb, I think it's African, of it takes a village to raise a child. So I'm a primary school educator and I have been pretty lucky this year with what I feel is a pretty good number of human beings to look after and to educate and create relationships with and essentially teach them about the world and society. Now, other people I work with, other educators that I know, have much greater numbers than that. And I don't really want to complain about where I am in the classroom in terms of the ratio between adult to child. But I think there's something really to be said here. I think that we've got these ratios wrong, or at least they're out of balance. Any educator will tell you that they are swamped by content. And that content doesn't just teach itself. Sure, really good educators have spent many years figuring out how to integrate and move across KLAs to cover much of this content in clumps. Whilst I'm at the beginning of my journey, I'm still trying to figure out the best ways to do so. And believe you me, that is an endeavor because the amount of content that I, am, uh, that I need to teach these students because it is mandated upon me, one human being in my classroom, to share all this knowledge with them my kids that is, is a lot. And I can't help but think about the way our education system supports the learning for a child. So there's a few things to unpack here. But as I said earlier, initially my thought was, my thought was about the ratios in the classroom. So if we take that proverb literally, of it takes a village to raise a child, then we've literally got it backwards. Now I strongly believe in that proverb, as I'm sure most people will. You very rarely ever get one child only ever learning or interfacing with one person. And what's really unique about this education system or this education model that we have is you've got handfuls of children interfacing with one person. That's a problem. I know in places like the United Kingdom and the US, most classrooms, or at least I think a fair few classrooms, have 
a teacher and a co-teacher. And whilst I'm not exactly sure about how that dynamic works between educators in those systems, I think about that sometimes and I think, wow, what a dream. You always say, you're always here, educators say, yeah, but, you know, unless you get a good one or, and by a good one, unless, unless you have a good co-teacher in your room, then it doesn't really matter. But I can't help but think about all the ways in which I would reach out to another person in my room and get them on board and communicate with them how I feel like if we work together as a team, we could accomplish so much more. And not to mention the great benefit that the students in my class would have from an extra perspective, an extra set of hands. So I often wonder, why are we doing this? This might sound like a real Wookiee reflection from someone who's fresh out of uni. And you know what? So it is. So let it be. That, if that's how it is, that's what it is. But I really think we need to fix this problem. If I had... Sorry, let's reframe this. If my children in my classroom had... Let's say... We'll just start with two. Two teachers in the classroom at all times... There would be, at least in my own mind, a lot more opportunity for students to flourish. A lot more opportunity for students to ask more questions. A lot more opportunity for those questions to be answered or their needs be catered to. And that's just two people. Imagine if you had three. Now, your first thought might be, oh, well, look, the difference between two and three is not that much. I beg to differ. I think if you had three, four, five people in a classroom, and let's say there was 25 students that you were working with, you would have immense growth, immense amounts of learning going on, people. A lot of teachers experiment with or endeavor to use small group um, learning experiences because intuitively we all understand that to really help someone, you've got to get down on a one-on-one level with them and sort of nut out where they are. And that's not just for you as a social scientist to figure out how they're learning or where they are in their developmental spectrum but also for them to be able to sit down and ask deep questions and spend the time that you really need with someone to work through a problem or find a solution yet this model of education we have completely not completely but seemingly strips those opportunities away from many children. It's a a hard, cold fact in education that you can't always get to everyone. But what if you could? What if you had a handful 
a village of teachers in your room at all times. As a creative person myself, I start to think about the amazing learning experiences that could be set up for these students. I think about all the extra hands that I would have to cater for setup in the limited amount of time that I have throughout the day. And the ideas that we can bounce off each other to really, really ramp up the experience. And I mean like, really ramp it up. That's not a trivial, that's not a trivial thing. I spend a lot of my day just trying to swim, just trying to float. And on rare occasions do I find myself with either the energy, the mental capacity, the time or the hands where I'm able to really set up a beautiful learning experience. Another thing you always hear is that you can't always set up those magical moments for children, that you do just have to get through the content, you do just have to move through the syllabus and sometimes surface level things are okay, I'll grant you that, but we don't have to settle for that. We could get more people in a classroom. By more people, I'm obviously speaking about more educators. We could bring the village to the children. I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but I remember just as I was graduating, or just before I was graduating, speaking to some people who had already... Uh, started their journey in looking for a job in the education sector. And I came across a handful of people who were unlucky. They just couldn't find a job. There were no spots. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, I hope I don't come up with that, that same issue when, I, when it's time for me to leave the gates. And I got really lucky. I was offered a job straight out the gate and to say it very mildly, it was a huge relief because the thought of trying to search for a job in what is touted as an overcrowded system in terms of how many teachers are employed freaked me out. But I always had this thought in the back of my head and I still do to this day why are there so many people struggling to get a job? Perhaps that's not the right question. The question might be, why does the education system not allow more teachers in the doors? You know, there's an issue with funding in education. There's an issue with resourcing in education. And there probably always will be. And it might be naive to sort of bring these ideas to the fore and have this dream of allowing more teachers into every classroom. Three and four of them. Five of them even. But look at it this way. If we spent less money on technological funding, resourcing for facilities in the school 
and we focused our financial resources on hiring more heads, hiring more people, hiring more teachers to come into every room, then I reckon we'd see a far less stressed system, one with fewer cracks and fewer wrinkles and one with fewer people exiting within the first five years of employment. Now, I'd be lying if I said to you, I haven't considered myself as being one of those statistics. There are days in my week where I think, next year I'm probably gonna try and start looking for something different. And that is not because I do not like my job. I actually really like the creativity that is allowed in my job. I love working with other people, colleagues. I think there's, I'm pretty sure there's good evidence to suggest that one of the most effective uh, means for learning, for a child's learning, is the quality of a teacher. But there's the problem. It's quality of a teacher. Now, uh, quality teachers are probably outliers, if you really think about it. And obviously it depends on how you define quality. But my guess is that super, super, really well-rounded, thoughtful educators are outliers. But we all know that when you put your heads together, beautiful things happen. When educators come together, beautiful things happen. And that's not meant to sound magical. That's, that's, just, that's just math. Two heads are better than one. Three heads are better than two. Five heads are better than four, three, two, and one. Because there's more ideas bouncing around. There's more hands to be hands-on. There's more people in the village to offer opportunities to the children in the classroom. So, I don't know. I feel like feel like we've got it wrong. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe I am just a rookie sitting here thinking thinking big and missing the, re- the reality of it all. But something inside me tells, tells me that th- this is a simple fix. We don't need to spend millions of dollars on technology and trending fads that bring artificial intelligence into the learning environment. We have people. We've got human beings who are looking for jobs. And whilst they might not all be these magnificent magicians of education, what we do know is that when you get people together, you can do pretty amazing things. So I wonder if the fact that primary age children, as I stated earlier in some of my questions, the fact that they're so young and they don't essentially produce any sort of promise in terms of creating 
economic growth that we essentially see teachers, at least on some level, obviously not in not entirely, but at least on some level as babysitters or just humans who interact with other humans who just haven't got the capacity to do such things yet. And what does that mean? Like, maybe we don't spend big money in education or spend enough money on supporting our educators because we don't value that those years in a, in a human's life as, as we should, perhaps. I mean, of course we should. They, they are literally the future. It's one of those rare times when I, when I think to myself, you have to, like, almost, in a sense, stop thinking in the moment. You know, you hear about people being mindful and living in the moment. Well, in this circumstance, I think we actually really need to look forward more and think, one day, these children will be the leaders of our society. And if we are essentially robbing them of the opportunities to flourish, to learn in any, at, at any great depth, because we're swamping ourselves in content and only allowing ourselves to spread ourselves thinly across this ginormous curriculum on our own, then we're doing society at large a disservice. I said it before, this seems like a simple fix, and I'm sure it's not. But surely we need to start thinking about this as as a new avenue of spending. Like, we need to start spending our money here. We need to bring more people into the classroom. We need to inc- we need to we need to level this ratio out. Trends in education at the moment, such as personalised learning, um, are really starting to bring these ideas to the fore on a larger scale. Because we really need, and, and we we truly understand now that we really need to personalise education for everyone. Long gone is this factory model. You cannot sit at the at the front of the classroom and just project one message that supposedly will fit all. Doesn't work. Everyone is so dynamic. A classroom is so diverse in terms of what people, what students need, understand their abilities, the backgrounds they have their family life, what they bring to the table, how that affects everyone else in the classroom. The variables just spin out of control exponentially the more you think about it. And what better way to deal with these variables than with more thinking power? And do we really want to go down this route of artificial intelligence? I mean, hell, I'm pretty excited when it comes to technology and I'm extremely curious about what this, uh, this artificial intelligence so-called revolution will bring to my classroom and classrooms around the world. Maybe we can do both. But 
at least for now, surely we just need to live the proverb out. If it takes a village, then just, look, bring a few people from the village, but don't leave educators on their own. And I mean that in a purely mathematical sense. One to many is always going to be tricky. But if you balance those numbers out, then it's going to be a lot easier, one, for the educators to produce amazing learning experiences, and two, the benefits on the students, the, it's, going to be, it's going to be immense. It's going to be immense. Anyway, that's what I think about the ratio problem we have in education at the moment. Tell me what you think. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time.